0: Hey guys, you're listening to the Braveheart Podcast. For more information about Braveheart Ministries, visit braveheartministries.org. Um, well, I'm glad you're here. If you want to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter six, I'm going to hop into the Word in a minute. But I wanted to just give you an overview. If you are new to the upper room, or if you've been coming, I know that you guys have only been gathering for about four months. Um, but we have a saying at the upper room, uh, and it's this. It's his presence transforming lives. How many of you have heard that before? His presence transforming lives. And so um, if you're like me, I, I'm, I really am a, a simple guy. I like to keep things simple. Sometimes stuff that gets really spiritual and weird uh, and out there I have a hard time connecting with. But what I've found is that, that God himself, uh, supernatural, is just normal to him amen, it's not supernatural to him, it's just normal for him, and so you get used to being around God, seeing things that maybe are not really normal, um, but but his presence became a word that I, I got a little bit frustrated with, uh, and if you're like me, I was like, Lord, what is your presence, what is it, and how does it transform lives, because we've built our church around this this little slogan, his presence transforming lives, and so I just, I began to seek and pray, and, and you obviously hear testimonies like that day and. Uh, 2006, like, his presence transformed my life. Um, and so, but how do, you, how do you articulate that? How do you gather around that? How do you build uh, expectation around uh, gathering for the presence of God and not for a speaker, not for a song, not for a worship leader? Uh, because that's our heart at the upper room. Our heart is to position you that every Sunday when you come here, or Tuesday when you come to the prayer set, or Thursday, that you're coming to meet with Jesus. Amen. You're not coming to hear some good singing, some good songs. You're not, hopefully you didn't come tonight to hear good preaching. I hope in your heart you came to encounter Jesus. Because if you came to hear a good preacher, to hear a good song, like you may be like, oh, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. And then you ask a week later, you're like, hey, what was church about last week? And you're like, ah, I think he maybe preached. Ah, let me think. Because you've listened to six podcasts since then. You've read four books since then. You've had your quiet time, Jesus Calling, since then. And you've got this... Somebody I hit a nerve there. You guys read Jesus Calling. Amen. It's amazing. And so what happens, though, is we get inundated with these spiritual truths and understanding, which is amazing. Like Joe said, like we want to wash ourselves in the water of the Word and spend time in the Word of God. But, man, if we are not encountering the person of Jesus Christ... You're not experiencing His nearness and His presence and, and His life and His joy and hearing His voice like we're missing something. And so as a house, we have a desire to gather around His presence, which means we gather sometimes and say, You know what, God? We're going we're gonna to hold this evening loosely. We're not going to necessarily do the, the program as is because if you want to take a hard right turn at 30 minutes during worship and do something else, we're going to do that because we're gathering for you and we're not gathering for us. Amen? And so for me, as over the years, I, I began, I just, every time I see in the scriptures, to me, the Word of God, I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God so much because the Word of God gives me faith. I said, the word of God gives me faith. It gives me something that I can stand upon, that in the natural, it may not look like it's there, but if the, if the word says it, it's so. Amen. And when you take a step of faith on the word of God, God's grace comes underneath that word and establishes that thing that you stepped upon. Are you with me? This, is, this happened in my life. The Lord... Um, Well, I won't share that story. That's going to be a longer story. So suffice it to say, we're a house of encounter, and tonight I want to give you permission. I want to give you faith. I want to encourage you, give you hope that God wants to encounter you, and he wants you to experience his presence, not just in your spirit or in your emotions, but in your physical body. Listen, we, for a long time in the church, whether it was said or not, we've kind of said, hey, God loves your spirit. He, he'll kind of manage your emotions. And one day, ultimately, he'll take care of your body when you die. He'll give you a new one. And, and we've, we've come to believe, in, and I've found in the church that, that there's, there's some stuff happening in the church. If you've been around the church, I, I love the bride of Christ. I love her with all my heart. I love you. I pray for you. I pray for the guys in Dallas. Like, I love the bride of Christ. My ministry, my life is for the church. Like I've given my life, my ministry. People call me an evangelist, and maybe I am, but I'm an evangelist to the church. My heart is to lay down my life for you so that Christ can be formed in you. That's my prayer tonight is that as you hear the word of God, I'm gonna preach the word to you. I'm gonna preach 1 Corinthians 6. And I believe as I preach this word to you, your faith is going to explode that God actually loves your body. He loves your body. I'm gonna talk about your body, and He loves your body. You may not love your body, there's self hatred in the church. There's self-image issues in the church. There's people trying to medicate their emotional issues and the way they view themselves by what they eat, by what they look at on the internet, by Instagram. There's all sorts of medication that we do, that we take, that we consume as believers to try to make us feel better about ourselves. But I've got a good word for you tonight. God loves your body. He He loves every nuance of it. He loves every aspect of it. He loves your face. He loves your heart. He loves every one of your organs. He, he, he loves your body. And I'm going to prove it from the scriptures. Like he, he loves your body. It is a sacred place to him. It is a holy place to God. Your body is a holy place to God. And as you, as you hear this word tonight, I believe many of you are going to experience the presence of God in a way that you've never experienced. I believe some of you, you've, you've said even this recently, I've been in a desert season with God. You've said I've been in a desert season with God and I just don't, you, you've, you've, been, you've been hanging around and you're like, man, I, I just want God to come through. And that desert season's about to end. It's about to rain tonight. I want to tell you that. And the, like my sister prophesied that, that the, the fall is coming, that which is old is falling away. That's a good word, and that there's new life coming in Jesus' name. Amen? So Paul is addressing um, this issue in the church. I'll just give you a quick, quick overview about the text. You know, there's layers of scripture. There's the, the intellectual level about what's happening in the text, what he's saying, what he's not saying. But there's oftentimes deeper spiritual truths hidden within the text that the Spirit of God will bring out. Amen? And so in this, in this letter to the Corinthian church, Paul's addressing a really massive issue. There was sexual immorality in the church. Uh, I won't get into it. It was really perverted, what was happening. And so Paul's addressing this. And so he's, he's going to give some insight and wisdom, I think, for us. Because not, uh, I, I think some of the issues are still in the present day church. Uh, look at this. He says, all things are lawful for me but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Look at your neighbor and say, I will not be dominated by anything. Come on. Some of you, some of you didn't want to say that. That's all right. Verse 13, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. Someone say amen. amen. Food was meant for your stomach. Amen. Amen. Like, God created food, and he's like, this, this stuff is meant for this belly. Man, some of you are already thinking about dinner. <laughs> and God will destroy both one and the other. Okay, no, not many amens for that. <laughs> All right, now look, he takes a hard right here. In his letter, he says, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Let me read that again. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but what is the body made for? So your body is made for the Lord. Your body is made for the Lord. I'm going to repeat this and reiterate this because these texts about the flesh and about the body, they go right past us. Because for so long in the church, we've relegated all of Christianity to the realm of the Spirit. We've relegated all of Christianity to the realm of the Spirit when when Christ came, He dealt with all of it, body, soul, and spirit. That's why He healed everyone that came to Him. He didn't say, well, I got, your, I got your spirit saved. Now, that's good enough, and that thing will kill you, and you'll be with me one day. You'll be with me quicker if I don't heal you. He didn't say that. He didn't, he didn't say that the, the body was less than the spirit or the soul was less. He didn't distinguish like we do and say, well, the most important thing is the spirit. He didn't do that. Now, it may be true. We may know that, that, that our eternal destination with the Lord is the most important, right? We all know that and can say Amen. And one day, I want to be very clear where I stand, one day I believe when the Lord comes back, there's a day where He's coming back, He will glorify these, these fleshly tents and we'll get a brand new body. Can someone say hallelujah? hallelujah? We're going to get a brand new tent, like, and He's going to put the presence of sin to rest. It'll no longer be the presence of sin in the earth. He's going to dominate all of it, and that's a good day, and we're called to look forward and hope in that day. Amen? But the Bible also speaks of, so that's the final ultimate, but the Bible also speaks of tasting of the powers of the age to come in this life. And that's what we're talking about here. So look what he says. He says, your body is not meant for sexual immorality. It's not meant. It doesn't, it doesn't go together. You, it's not made for that. It was actually made for the Lord. But here's the profound thing that Paul says. He says, your body was made for the Lord, but the Lord for the body. Does anyone else find it interesting that he's addressing sexual immorality, sexual union between a man and a woman? And he says, hey, your body was made for the Lord and his body was made for you. He's made for you. Let that sit for a minute. Keep reading. Verse 14. And God raised the Lord and will raise also raise us up by his power. Verse 15. Do you not know that your... Your what? Are members... Of Christ. Now when he says member here, not being funny, he's not talking about becoming a member of a church where you fill out a form. He's talking the Greek word it means limb. He's saying you're a limb of Christ. Your body is a limb of Christ. I promise you some of you when you begin to understand this when this when this thing hits your spirit, you'll be healed You'll be set free. You'll be delivered You'll feel the presence of God rush upon you instantly because you'll understand and realize how connected you are to God You can't be any closer to God than a member of him You can't be any more inside of him or a part of them than being him So some of you say well, how come I don't feel close to God? I'll tell you exactly why right now All of us are as close to this church as we could ever be. We're in it. You're as close as you ever be. But the reality is there's some of you, you're not present here. Your mind is in tomorrow and your work day or in some issue that you're dealing with, with finances or something in the past. You're somewhere else. You're physically here, but your spirit and emotions are somewhere else. You're here, but you're not experiencing what's happening here because you're not really here. It's the same with the Lord. This is what Paul is addressing. He's saying, man, when you're engaging your body with these other things, when you're engaged in sexual immorality, you're, you're, you're not in touch with this reality that your body's made for the Lord and the Lord for the body. We're going to unpack that in a minute. So look look what he says. He says, Shall I take the members of Christ, literally, shall I take my body that is a member of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute through, through that intimate act becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. Verse 17 But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So not only are you physically, your body is physically a member with Christ, but your spirit is now one spirit with God himself. Am I the only one that this freaks out? It's like the most amazing thing ever. This, This is for those. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, this happened. So look. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Verse 19, or do you not know that your body, say your body, body. is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, the spirit of wisdom, and revelation, God. Would you open this this text to our hearts, God. Would it not just become something that we understand with our minds? Would it become a living, breathing reality in this body, in this house, God? I pray for an impartation, Lord. God, that the faith would rise in our union with you, not just spiritual union, but our physical union with the living God, which the Bible says is a profound mystery, God. But let it bear much fruit, God. Let these vessels, God, these temples of the Holy Spirit, God, let them come to believe that the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob dwells in their body by the Holy Spirit, God in fullness, God would that bring such courage? would it bring such hope? would it would it cause every ounce of the fall of man, every sickness, every disease, every depression, every anxiety, every hopelessness God would, when that revelation hits, they go, "Wow, the spirit of the living God dwells inside of me, God, would you cause all of those things to bow their wicked knee to king jesus who dwells in our mortal body would our would our literal minds be renewed god would our spirits be awakened and would our would our bodies respond and react and experience the glory in the presence of the living god god that's my prayer tonight in jesus name in jesus name so guys i know that was a lot i know that's intense I don't apologize. I'm intense. I just am. It's so important that we understand that God loves your mortal body. Romans eight eleven says that. He says that if the spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells inside of you, will he not bring life to your mortal body? Life to your mortal body. Why am I saying this? Why am I emphasizing the body? Because so many of us for so long, I believe, we're lacking a power and a peace and a presence to actually live out the Christian life. You were never meant to do it by principles alone. Principles without the presence is, is dead religion. Principles without the presence empowering you to walk out the principles is dead. It's religion. When God says, I want you to do this, he says, I want you to do this. But then he comes and climbs inside of you and says, I'm going to help you do this. Uh, Verse 19, I, I, I don't think you got this. Verse 19 says, someone is living inside of you that's not you. When you gave your life to Jesus on the altar, what did you give him? Did you just give him your sin? We like that. We, we, Hey, yeah, Jesus, you can have all my sin. You can take my hell. You can take all my mess. Oh, we love to give Jesus. Oh, we give it all to him, right? We love giving all, our all. Take it all. Take my addictions. Take my past, Lord. Oh, take my sins, Lord. Take it all, Lord. Take it all. You can have it all. We give it all to him. Give it all to him. And then we leave that altar and we're like, I gave it all. And I got forgiveness and I got his Holy Spirit. But, but the Bible says that now you're, when you gave it all to him and he poured out his wrath on his son. And he says, look, he says, I cleaned your temple out. You guys know in John when Jesus comes in and he's, he's angry. Jesus was angry. Why? Why was he angry? Come on, why was Jesus angry? They defiled the temple. The temple was defiled. You think that story's in there about the temple? What was he angry about? He was angry that the vessel that was meant to house God had become this place of defilement. So his wrath was not for the temple. Come on. His wrath was not for the temple. It was to clear the temple out. It was for everything that was wrong inside the temple. His wrath is for you. Oh, come on. His wrath works on behalf of you. He he says, no, I'm going to come in. Like, like how many of you feel comfortable saying, Jesus, come into my temple and clean out everything that's not right with your wrath? Like, come with your wrath, Lord. Come with your zeal. Zeal for my house consumes me. I dare you to pray it. I dare you to get on your knees and say, Dad, come in, Lord. Come with the same zeal that you cleared out that temple. If there's any offensive way in me, by the Spirit of God, God, just come and search it out. Make your whip, Lord. Make your whip and drive out every area of compromise, of unbelief. Belief, of doubt, of, of 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 apathy, of sexual sin, of whatever it is, Lord, come with your zeal for me, because you love me. You love this temple. You love me. You love this temple, guys. We need help. I know that in a room this size, there's people struggling with pornography. There's people struggling with alcohol. There's people struggling with with overeating. I. I it's not. You don't need to be a prophet to know this stuff. I'm serious. And we keep trying so hard, and I'm like, man, God has given us a remedy. He's saying, hey, I haven't left your body and your body's desires just up to chance or up to your self-discipline or self-control or how much you can flex your muscles. I've actually given you something that will empower you to give you power over those things. You need life in your mortal body. Well, I want you to hear this. This This is dear to my heart. I was stuck in pornography for years. I was stuck in it. I was bound to it. Christian kid. Christian kid. I was born again. I was saved. Oh, I was saved. But I I loved Jesus. I wanted to make him known. But this addiction dominated my life in secret, in private. A few people knew here and there. But for the most part, it was secret, and it destroyed me. And it owned me. And it had power over me. It had power Now I was still reading this and I would read about God's power and I would get frustrated because I didn't see his power. I just saw the power of the enemy. Come on, how many of you can relate? You you say, God, I know you say you're powerful, but this thing has more power over me. This thing that happened to me in my past, this thing, this uh, this addiction that I have, this relationship that I have. I feel like I'm being overpowered and I need something bigger than myself. And you live in guilt and shame because you actually don't feel like you have the power to get out of it. I'm the only one. Okay. Four of you. I'm with you. Y'all are shy. That's okay. So listen, so God, God doesn't just say, all right, come on, you need, to just, you, need to, you need to try harder. That's not how he talks. Come on, work harder. Read your Bible more. Go to church more. Come on, be a better Christian. That's not how your daddy talks. It's not how he talks. You don't think he has something for you that's more powerful? He does have something for you. I want to tell you tonight, he's got something for your body that's more powerful. And here's what happened on March 9th, 2006. I was a good Bible church kid. And after they prayed for me, I ended up on my back. Tongues was coming out of my mouth and there was a power going through my body. A power going through my body. I looked down and my hands were cringed. Why? Because there was power coursing through my body. And I was on the ground and I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm, I'm praying in tongues. I I didn't know how to do any of this. It just happened. And you say, well, what was the fruit of that encounter? The fruit of that encounter is I've been free from sexual addiction for however many years, 12 years. Like in a moment, in a moment, he gave me a power that I did not have to walk out the Christian life. And I haven't done it by myself. I don't say that to some boast thing. He literally gave me a power for my mortal body. And so now I can walk by the spirit. The Bible says, if you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So do you know what that means? That means walking by the spirit must be for the most brand new Christian. Walking by the spirit is not a mature expression of the Christian faith. Oh, come on. We've taught that if you, if you overcome your flesh, then you're walking by the Spirit. Wrong. He says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So walking by the Spirit is the means to not gratifying the desires of the flesh. We like to flip it in the church. Hey, if you stop gratifying the desires of the flesh, you will have graduated to walking in the Spirit. Come on, that's what we say. And, and so we teach walking by the Spirit as doing all the Christian things. But walking by the Spirit is recognizing that someone lives inside of you that's not you. And when you gave your life to God, you gave residence to someone that's not you. The Bible says you're not your own. Did he say that? Yeah. Then whose are you? It's okay to be convicted, conviction's good. I felt a wave of it. (laughs) You were bought with a price. You were ransomed out of your sinful, hellish life. And you were brought into a covenant union with Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now you're not your own. And now God lives inside of you. And you know what? If you keep reading in Galatians 5, it says, The desires of the Spirit are opposed to the desires of the flesh. That means the Holy Spirit has desires within you. So I wonder if we were meant to live by desire and not by duty. I wonder if walking by the Spirit is just recognizing the Holy Spirit's desires within you, who's made His home in your heart. And you just like, it's just a desire fest. And you're like, oh, I really want to pound all that cake. And He's like, I wouldn't do it. No, listen, because there's a connection between what we eat and our sexuality and our connection with God. It's right here in 1 Corinthians 6. It is. How many of you have done, I just, you don't, don't raise your hand. How many of you have done an extended fast, and, and I, what? it's just a scientific fact. If you do an extended fast from food of any kind, you stop eating food, your desire for connection with your spouse ceases. That's like, okay, that's just a scientific fact, Okay. <laughs> And, and there's a connection between what we eat and that desire. And I'm just, I'm being sensitive. There's kids in the room, so I'm just whatever. Okay, you with me? Are you with me? There's a connection between what we eat, the desires of the flesh. And sometimes, if I'm honest, the Lord's checked me on this. Man, I, my eating gets out of control. You're like, oh, you look pretty fit. Yeah, I do. It's because I got good genes and metabolism. But the reality is sometimes my eating gets out of control. And what you realize is when you gave your life to the Lord, you actually gave him the gate to your mouth. You gave him the gate to your eyes. You gave him the gate to your phone. You gave him the gate to your time. You gave him your body. Your body is what you do with your life. What if we lived? What if the reason why we're not experiencing that temple of the Holy Spirit reality, and sometimes it can be such a big thing, well, what does that mean? I wonder if why we're not experiencing it is because we actually haven't given him our body. We haven't given him our time. We haven't given him our speech. We haven't given him our, our plates. We haven't given him our, our, our everything. We gave him our sin. We gave him all that fun stuff, but it's like, okay, but I, I want to eat cake. Now listen, we we have a good dad. He wants us to taste and see that he's good. Some people preach this and it's like, oh, we're gonna become an ascetic monk and live out in the wilderness and never touch food again. Like, I, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, what if he did say, hey, why don't you just not have a meal today? Can you hear that? Or, or is that just off limits? All I'm asking is, can we explore Can we explore, I wonder if some of these other issues in our life, some of these addictions, some of these things where we can't overcome with our body is because we haven't given him our body. We gave him our spirit, we feel confident, we feel full of faith, we feel alive in God. We're like, man, I'm going to live with him one day, I feel, you know, but then in the flesh we struggle and I wonder it's because we just haven't trusted him. And we haven't realized that he actually, he actually made his home. Like, like your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We can't move past this. Like we, you can't just look over this. You can't be neutral to that truth. You can't be apathetic to that truth. You can't. How, how, how can you, like the price, I, and I don't have time to fully preach the blood, but like you've got to understand the blood. How clean must you be on the inside for God to dwell inside of you? How clean must he made you? How clean must the blood purify you for God to dwell inside of you? 2nd Samuel chapter 6, I've preached this many times. David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God. It was the Holy Spirit on the earth in a wooden ornate box plated in gold with two angels looking at each other. And David's bringing it out of Obed-Edom's house because Obed-Edom's getting blessed. His socks off. He's just getting ama- He's just amazing. And so they're bringing it back. This was before Obed-Edom. And Uzzah, they put it on this cart and his friend, David's friend Uzzah, reaches out and touches the Ark which was the presence of God, and he dies in a moment. He dies in a moment. Pretty heavy. What we say in the church, if you're born again, what we testify biblically, scripturally, is that that ark, that box, what dwelt inside, that consumed that man, lives inside of us. You can't have it both ways. You're either a sinner and God has no dwelling place inside of you or he has so cleansed you by the blood of his son that you are a literal walking ark of his presence on the earth. Come on, I, I feel that thing in your spirit. You're like, well, but how come I keep doing this? Listen, we, we can address all of that, but we have to face the reality and the truth of what the scripture says is that your body, he's addressing something that people are doing that's not right. And, and the remedy wasn't stop doing that. No, that's wrong. He's saying, no, 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 there's a better reality. There's a higher plane here. This isn't about sexual immorality. This is about your physical connection with God. And just as much as you want a physical connection connection with God. God wants it with you. God desires physical connection with you. Do you understand that? God wants to touch you. He wants to he wants to embrace you. He wants to hold you. He wants to have deep, intimate encounters with you where you feel his presence, where you feel his power, where you feel his peace. Like he 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 is your solution to everything you're going through. He, he, his presence, I'm talking about his presence. His presence is the solution to everything you're going through. You're like, you don't understand. It's my finances. You don't, no, he's, he's Jaira. When, when Jaira overwhelms you, you're just all of a sudden, all you can see is abundance, and you're not worried about any more about what you don't have. Yeah, that's right. I promise you, I feel so sick. I, I feel sick in my body. I feel this. You're like, he literally is healer. His name is healer. His name is Rafa. That's his name. That's his nature. That's his name. So when Rafa, when Rafa comes and just snuggles up to you, when you're in bed and, and you, you understand that you have that connection, that you're a member with him, and then Ephesians 5 comes to life with you, this says no one ever hated his own flesh, his own body. No one ever hated his own body, but does what to it? Nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So you're telling me Christ nourishes and cherishes my own flesh because I'm his? I belong to him? That you're looking at, at this 6'2", white, male, one you know, eighty-five on a good day? And, 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 and this, this, this God, the God, the living God looks at me and he says, I cherish that piece of real estate. I cherish it. And I'm going to nourish it. And I'm going to cherish it. And that's my expectation when I wake up, when I spend time with God, is that He He wants to He wants me to experience Him. And just because you got saved so many years ago doesn't mean you're having these experiences with God, these encounters where He comes so close and you 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 experience Him. And I'm, this isn't to shame anyone. This is to give you hope, to give you like excitement for your quiet time. Like He wants to touch you. He does. And that touch is everything. And, and sometimes I believe it can be a one-time, like, I believe there's certain touches that are more powerful, like mine in 2006. Like, it was a power encounter with God. And there's other times where it's just peace. And listen, sometimes when he says, like, hey, I want to encounter you, it's not in the prayer closet. I've got four kids. I've got four kids, and sometimes the Lord says, hey, I want you to go play with them, and I will meet you there. Proverbs says that if you bless your neighbor loudly in the morning, it'll be taken as a curse. Amen? That means the right thing at the wrong time is a curse. This is a word for someone. Some of you keep trying to do the right thing at the wrong time, and you're wondering why it's not working. Specifically with your finances. And the Lord brings to mind the picture of when Peter had a—they had a, a a debt to pay. Peter and Jesus had a debt to pay. They had a bill to come. This is—I'm—I'm I'm prophesying to someone, maybe someone's that you have a debt to pay. You have a financial obligation, and it's—it's it's hanging over your head, and it's very—it's very real. And Jesus tells his buddy, "Hey, go do the thing you love to do. Go recreate." And in his recreation, he goes and fish. Peter was a fisherman. He goes and catches a fish, and in catching the fish, he looks in the mouth, and there's a coin to pay their taxes. If, if that were us, we'd say, Jesus, that was the wrong time to do that activity. We have a debt to pay. We better get to working. We better go, you know, do some work, do something of value. And Jesus sends him to go and do the things he loves to do. And I feel like the Lord's saying, it's like some of you, you keep trying to do the, wrong th- the right thing at the wrong time. You're like doing the right thing. It is the right thing. It, it is wisdom. In a lot of circumstances, it's wisdom. But in your circumstance, he's actually, you know he's called you to do something else. And in that thing, he's going to provide for you what you need. And you got to trust him. Who am I talking to? Praise God. So listen, this is so important. We're going to end. If the, if the guys want to come up, we're going we're gonna to end and have a time of prayer. If you guys want to come on up and just play a little bit. Um, I know we're getting close to time, and I want to get practical here. I want us to encounter this Jesus that we've been talking about. He desires physical connection with you. When my wife and I got married on June second, two 2007, we have a marriage certificate from the state of Texas. It's written there. It's there. It's there. And that marriage certificate means that we're married. It means that, that our covenant was established by the state of Texas, by God. And that in the 10 years or 11 years since we've been married, we've had some really hard times. We've had some really good times, um, but we've had some really hard times. And those really hard times where we weren't connected, that marriage certificate still existed and still was testifying of our union with each other and our covenant. But there's seasons in our marriage, if if you're married, you can relate to this, there's seasons in your marriage where maybe maybe the enemy comes against your intimacy, your times together. But the reality is, those those times that we have together or those times that we don't have together, they don't change our covenant. If you're born again, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's your covenant. The blood of Jesus is your covenant. His body is your covenant. And just because you're married though doesn't mean you're producing godly offspring. Hear me, I can have, I could have been married 11 years and if my wife and I never came together, we'd have no children. I believe many people today are spiritually barren because they haven't come to the Lord in the secret place and allowed that connection to take place where he births himself in you, an idea, a character of his, a nature of his inside of you, and that you actually begin to be transformed into the nature and likeness of Christ. Why? Not because you tried so hard, but because he overshadowed you. He overshadowed you like Mary. All he needs is a virgin womb to birth himself into the world. That's all he needs. And you say, well, I don't feel like my my spiritual womb is is virgin. He says, that's what the blood's for. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Braveheart Podcast. For more resources, visit braveheartministries.org.